0: But well, when did you feel the most at rest in your life? You know, as you look back over your life, when did you feel the most relaxed? Like nearly everything was just as it should be. You're having the time of your life and you knew it. For me, it was a summer of 89. Here's me. That's the summer that stands out to me. I'd just finished high school, done about 15 exams. So I really felt like I deserved a break we were given 10 weeks off before going on to the next thing. I was 16, school was out, I had great friends, great holidays, really good times, and a seemingly endless summer, all with a profound sense that just relaxing and enjoying it all and revelling in it was exactly what I was supposed to be doing at that point in my life. Well, wouldn't it be great to be able to experience that kind of rest all the time. Well, today we'll see how the promise for anyone trusting in Jesus is rest that is even better than that. We'll see how we're encouraged not to give up on and not to miss out on knowing that rest that we can know in part now and more fully in the future. So just some context then where we're up to in this letter, uh, to the letter to the Hebrews, um, is that the author has been showing us how Jesus is better in every way, uh, to encourage us to keep persevering in our faith in him and not giving up on Jesus. The author has been giving us his heartfelt exhortations, but backing that up with what he's on about from the Old Testament, arguing from the Bible. And last week, we saw him looking at the example of the Israelites in the wilderness. So the generation that were miraculously delivered from slavery in Egypt hardened their hearts, got deceived by sin, and became disobedient in their unbelief. And the author saying to Christians, learn from their mistakes. Don't repeat their example of falling into unbelief. Well, in today's passage, uh, he continues that argument from Numbers and from Psalms to say, don't be like your ancestors. They were on the verge of rest. And missed out. So let's have a look at it. Three points today. Bring these up for you. Rest rest assured. God's rest. And our rest. Rest assured. God's rest. And our rest. First then. Rest assured. The promise of entering God's rest. Wasn't just for Israel. Ancient Israel. It's for us now. Hebrews four verse one. Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you have be found to have fallen short of it. So the promise of rest with God is for us now, and the warning not to miss out is also for us now. In verse two and three, the author does a bit of um, compare and contrast between us and them. Verse two. Uh, We've had the good news proclaimed to us through Jesus being with us and the Apostles witness about him. Uh, The Israelites had experienced God saving them firsthand. Uh, Salvation wasn't just a concept for them. It was their lived history. They had experienced firsthand God miraculously delivering them from Egypt. Plagues, Passover, passing through the Red Sea, all of that. And I reckon most of us can think of people we know who look Christian sounded Christian, lived life with us as a Christian but to know them now you'd never know that they were. They've either actively rejected Jesus or just gradually let him and his people go. Well for us who are put in our trust and faith in Jesus today the assurance for us is in verse 3 that we have entered God's rest. We're forgiven in right relationship with him now our future in heaven secure and the new testament is full of assurances that if god has chosen you you're chosen and nothing can change that so for example john six thirty seven all those who the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never drive away but those assurances are intended to encourage us to be careful to keep going until the end not for us to be complacent the certainty of our salvation doesn't mean that we aren't careful to keep it see the world is always offering us alternative rest always appealing to our heart's desire to be at rest for things to be perfect at at least some part of our life here and now we're always being tempted to believe that there's a better offer of rest than following jesus So be assured, but be careful. Make every effort. Hold firmly. Because look what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. Despite all that they'd seen and heard firsthand, the miraculous redemption they'd experienced, the majority of them didn't believe God's promises. And so they missed out on the rest that God was offering them at that time. The rest of us safe secure and plentiful land of their own to live in but they didn't have to worry about enemies or not having enough food. The result for them while quoting Psalm 95 again the author writes they shall never enter my rest. We call this book Hebrews because it's written to people with a Jewish background and at this point if they've been reading their Bibles they might object hang on a minute. Us Jews have already been given our rest, because eventually we did enter the promised land. That was our rest, like it says in Joshua. So the Lord gave Israel all the land He had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them the rest, gave them rest on every side, just as He had sworn to to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's good, good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. So the writer has anticipated this argument, though, and still quoting Psalm 95, he refutes it. In verses 7 and 8, God set, again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today you hear his voice. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So, in other words, simply being in the promised land wasn't all the rest that God meant. There must be a greater rest to come because King David is right in Psalm 95, hundreds of years later, in the promised land, to people in the promised land, warning them not to miss out on God's rest. So there must be a greater rest to come. The peace of being God's people in God's promised land on earth was just a foreshadowing. A sort of a type of something fuller, better rest. And this ultimate rest is what we're being promised through Jesus. This ultimate rest is what we're being warned not to miss out on. So verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by their example of disobedience but what is this rest then if it's more than being an israelite um, entering the promised land what is this rest well our next heading it's god's rest and to define what that is our author our author takes us back to the very start of the bible Quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, which in full says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God rested. Now, have you ever asked yourself, why? Why did God rest? Well, it's not because he was tired. It's not like he needed to sit down and have a cup of tea. I mean, he's God. Now, Genesis 2, um, and with parts of Exodus, Leviticus and the Psalms filling out the picture, those scriptures tell us that God resting meant that he stood back from all his work of creation and resolved to enjoy it for all eternity, forever. I mean, notice that the seventh day in Genesis never ends. People often say, don't they, you know, trying to sound spiritual, it's all about the journey. It's all about experiencing the process is the important part as much as the end result or even more than the end result. Well, that's not how God treats creation. God didn't make creation in us and then just leave us in the shed as another forgotten project, having enjoyed the process. No, God resting is him enjoying his perfect world, including delighting in us, humanity. And God wants us to enjoy that blessing and that joy, enjoying him and his greatness and his creation with him. Well, Christmas is coming soon. I hate to break it to you. And in our house, we have a long list of Christmas movies that we like to get through. Now, virtually every Christmas movie ever is all about not letting work get in the way of what is valuable relationships. So in Elf. Buddy's dad needs to stop prioritising work over his relationship with his son. It's a wonderful life. George needs to realise how valuable his relationships are. And of course, the ultimate Christmas movie, Die Hard. John and Holly McLean need to stop their careers coming between them. But God doesn't need to le- learn that lesson. God rests. He sets about enjoying his creation, enjoying us and sharing that enjoyment with us. But every one of us, each in our own way, has rejected that offer of rest. We've all sinned. We've all sought alternative rest, imagining that we know better. But Jesus has come. He's paid the price for that prideful rebellion and he brings us back into God's rest when we put our faith in him. So C.S. Lewis puts it like this in The Weight of Glory. It's a bit of a long quote, but it's, it's a really good one. In the end, that face, God's face, which is the delight or the terror of the universe, must be turned upon each of us, either with one expression or with the other, either conferring glory, inexpressible, or inflicting shame that can never be cured or disguised. It is written that we shall stand before him, shall appear, shall be inspected. The promise of glory is the promise almost indescribable and only possible through the work of Christ, that some of us, that any of us who really chooses, shall actually survive that examination, shall find approval, shall please God. To please God. To be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in, as an artist delights in his work, or a father in a son. It seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory, which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. C.S. Lewis puts it beautifully, doesn't he? God's rest is God's perfect world with God enjoying us and us enjoying God. God's perfect world with God enjoying us and us enjoying God. So the question is, will you enter that rest? At verse 12 and 13 at the end of today's passage, we often say these words just before a Bible reading to remind us of how powerful God's word is. But here in the context, What they're saying is that what cuts to the heart of whether you have entered God's rest or not is how you respond to this word about Jesus. Are you obedient in belief or disobedient in unbelief and missing out on that rest? If you're not a believer watching this today, I urge you, look into Jesus. You owe it to yourself to check out if this rest is for real. If this rest really is a better offer than the rest that you have settled for so far. Now you might have been put off by ideas of heaven being floating around on fluffy clouds doing nothing really, except maybe playing a bit of the occasional harp. But God's rest is not doing nothing. Now God is sustaining the universe moment by moment. Moment. He's interactive with his his creation and with us. Jesus said on on a Sabbath day of all days uh, in John 5, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So God's rest is not doing nothing, but it's not like our work either. It's not gruelling, exhausting toil, which may or may not produce the results that we want. Now, God's rest is an active rest, an interactive rest, activity that is perfectly satisfying. The promise is that Jesus, that Jesus brings us back into that rest. God and us enjoying that active rest together, now in the here and now in part and in full when Jesus returns. There's a picture of what that rest will be like in Revelation. Oh, sorry, I didn't put this verse up. I'll read it to you. Then I saw in heaven, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, look. God's dwelling place is among his people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Now this rest sounds great. So how do we enter this rest? How do we get? Our rest. Our final heading, our rest. Well, we rest by trusting in Christ. So, verse three again. Now we who have believed enter that rest. And verse nine, the concept of rest, rest is um, expanded on with it. Given a slightly different name this time, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So the word there for sabbath rest it carries the idea of taking time out to celebrate the blessing security and relief from struggle that we have in god's rest so keeping the sabbath was one of the ten commandments one of the signs of the covenant or contract if you like between god made with israel at mount sinai and it built into their weekly life stopping from work for a whole day now Not stopping to do nothing at all. I mean, doing nothing if you need to is occasionally appropriate, but eventually it becomes pretty boring, doesn't it? In fact, doing nothing can be really stressful, more stressful than work itself. No, Sabbath was designed to take time out to enjoy God and the rest found in him. So it's a bit like Christmas day. I love Christmas. I think part of the reason why is that you work to set things up so that on that day, you can just celebrate Jesus' birthday and enjoy your friends and family. Celebrating Jesus' birth by being rather than doing. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what everyone joins in with you doing together. So that's the kind of Sabbath rest, the kind of Sabbath celebration in mind here. But just like the promised land pointed to a greater, com- more complete rest, so did the Sabbath. Jesus brings us better rest. He has come and set in motion that greater rest. Jesus declared, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight to 29 Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So the promised land wasn't the real rest. The Sabbath wasn't the real rest. Both of them point to the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, and the rest he brings. The author is telling his Jewish audience, telling us, that the way to obey the Sabbath law now is to trust in Jesus and follow him. Hebrews 4, verse 10. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. We rest in Christ's work for us. We don't have to work at earning our way into God's rest. Jesus has already won that rest for us. In the here and now, we can get on with the rest of following Jesus, knowing that whatever struggles life brings, we're forgiven. We're in right relationship with God, and that full and perfect rest lies ahead in our future. So that means that the command to keep the Sabbath, keep the fourth of the Ten Commandments, isn't for Christians. Now stay with me, hear me out. Thoughtful Bible-believing Christians differ in opinion on this, and we're not going to look down on each other for how we land on it. There are differences of opinion about whether sunday is the christian version of sabbath so people will say the idea of a day of rest comes from genesis 2 verse 2 doesn't it it's a creation ordinance you know like marriage it existed before sin before the fall but if you look closely at genesis it says god rested but he didn't yet tell anybody else to so did abraham keep the sabbath did jacob did Joseph? Humanity is not commanded to keep the Sabbath until after the Exodus at Mount Sinai, and it's part of the covenant uh, or contract between Israel and God. But now Jesus has fulfilled the law, Jesus has brought a new deal, a new contract between us and God. Trust in Jesus for true Sabbath rest. See, Sabbath. The Sabbath looked back to God's rest, looked forward to the rest to come. But Jesus has started up our participation in that, in that rest. Trust in Jesus is how we obey the command to keep the Sabbath, resting in Jesus. But all that said, how are we going to keep persevering in Christ? How are we going to make sure that we don't fall into unbelief? missing out on all that rest. Well, surely a really good way is to make one day a week really different to the rest. A day when you know you're going to give God more time and direct attention. A regular day when you're going to get together with other believers to sing God's praises, learn from his word and just hang out together and encourage one another. Wouldn't that be a good idea? Perhaps we could do it. I don't know. Every Sunday, Look, there are lots of good pragmatic reasons to keep Sunday special. People should have at least one day a week off work. But don't confuse those, re- those pragmatic reasons for theological reasons. Theologically, it doesn't matter if we don't rest on a Sunday. But it does really matter if we don't rest in Christ. Because if we don't, we won't rest in heaven. And for 2,000 years, Christians have found that one of the most effective ways to grow and be encouraged to make sure we don't fall into unbelief is to take Sundays. days. It's the day that we all aim to keep as a day where you especially take time out to enjoy our rest in Christ. To finish then, some reflections on how we respond to this, how to make sure that we don't miss out on God's rest. Well, first, it's okay to have your head in the clouds. That is, it's good to keep reminding ourselves from Scripture the promises of the perfect rest that we have for our heavenly future in Christ. But life is hard. Alternative rest can look better. But only if we lose sight of how good the offer of real rest with God is. Real rest with God forever. So keep your head in the clouds. Secondly, take time out for active rest. To enjoy people and to enjoy God's creation. Because that's what God does. It really isn't all about work, work, work. You know, God made all this for us to enjoy. So don't poop God's party. And lastly, take the time out. To rest in Jesus. Rest from trying to win your own salvation. Rest from trying to be good enough or quiet enough or loud enough or whatever it is. Sit before Jesus, resting in the knowledge that He has been for you everything you need to be to have complete rest with God. So to finish, I thought it would be best to just end with an incident from Jesus' time on earth, uh, with his friends Mary and Martha. So this is from Luke ten, and it, I think it tells us everything we need to know. As Jesus and his disciples, did I some of this? With us? Yeah. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not. it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the rest available to us in Jesus. And we pray that you'll keep us persevering, keep us taking time out to be with Jesus. To enjoy you, to enjoy your creation, and to enjoy each other. To keep persevering in belief, and not failing to enter that rest. For Jesus, in Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen.